Ken's story because definitely didn't jump into to real estate with a whole bunch of money in the bank and just ready to go, go, go. But he and his wife took a, you know, took a lot of education, got very, very well prepared, and then took massive action, created an amazing portfolio, and have had a, a really interesting journey. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about Ken's experience with joint venture partners and raising capital and all things real estate. There are millions of real estate investors out there, and most are stuck with just a couple of properties. They want financial freedom, but their small portfolio ends up costing them more in time, effort, and money than it's worth. Getting out of the rat race seems harder than ever. This show will help you do more deals, better deals, and bigger deals. Finally, you'll be able to reach your income and lifestyle goals. How? By attracting and leveraging private money partners and their capital. Now get ready to raise more money, because here's your host, Dave Dubow. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today, I've got another special episode with you. It's extra special for me because a very, very good, long, dear friend of mine is on the call, Mr. Ken Beaton. Ken has been a real estate entrepreneur, real estate investor. My goodness, Ken, what's it? What is it now? It must be 25, 30 years. years? Huh? Uh, tw 23 years, I guess. Yeah. 23 years. Long time. And I uh, love Ken's story because definitely didn't jump into to real estate with a whole bunch of money in the bank and just ready to go, go, go. But he and his wife took a, you know, took a lot of education, got very, very well prepared, and then took massive action, created an amazing portfolio, and have had a, a really interesting journey. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about Ken's experience with joint venture partners and raising capital and all things real estate. So Ken, buddy, great to see you. Great to have you on the show. Likewise, been a long time, Dave. It has been. It has been. So for folks who don't yet have the pleasure of Knowing you, can you give us a quick little synopsis of your real estate career, when you got started, why you got started, how you got started, and then maybe, you know, what you built your portfolio up to, you know, then, you know, the whole kind of story in a nutshell, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, uh, before I got into real estate, we we actually had a campground and uh Back in the early 90s, I decided to get my real estate license, thinking that that would be a good way to supplement my income. So that was my first intro into real estate and uh, didn't succeed very well with that. So I gave up on that, carried on with the campground until about 2000. I, I thought when, you used to call that a seasonal resort. Why, when did it turn into well, a campground? Because I knew you were going to pick up on that and you were going to nail me for the seasonal resort. So I thought I'd slip that one past you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, in 2000, uh, midlife crisis, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. I, I just had a, a change in my life and uh, decided I needed to go in a different direction. <clears throat> so we uh, we ended up selling the campground in 2003. But leading up to that, we decided that real estate investing was the the, the path that we needed to take. Uh, but, was there something that kind of, do you remember what sparked that? And, and more what you said, a midlife crisis, how old were you at the time that you decided? Yeah, to start uh, 40-ish, I guess, 41. Uh, well, actually, in, in the ice storm of 98, that's how I relate the year. So um, 97, 98, both my parents passed away, which was traumatic in itself. And it just sort of gave me an aha moment as to, you know, what am I doing? Where am I going? Why am I doing this, et cetera? 
just reevaluating everything. And I quickly realized that, oh crap, here I am 40, 41 years old and I don't have a penny to my name. And uh, what are we doing? So we started to explore other options. And uh, in 2000, uh, we were actually homeschooling our children at the time. And I picked up uh, a new book that I thought looked interesting to share with the kids. And it was a purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I thought that sounds interesting. And uh, that book literally changed my outlook on life. And uh, that's when we both realized that investing in real estate was going to be the solution for us. So you so both, we, you're talking uh, about yourself and your wife, Joanne. Yeah. Um, when, yeah. It, I don't do anything by myself. It's Joanne and I. Uh, yeah. I always has been, always will be. Yeah. And uh, so we uh, started to invest in education. Well, first of all, I mentioned I was a realtor back in the early 90s. So I thought I already knew everything that there was to be, to, to be known about investing in real estate. So I blindly just started to invest. And... Um, in 2002, 2003, I can't remember, a bit of a blur now, uh, came across some real estate education courses. We'd already owned a couple properties. So and, it, you, uh, you didn't have much money to put together. What were the first couple of properties that, that you purchased? Do you remember? Yeah. So what happened was um, uh, Joanne got a job around that time. So we started to live off of her income, which allowed us to invest my income, which was like 20 grand a year type of thing. So we figured, well, we'll buy a property a year. And uh, so that was the beginning of it. It was a triplex in the city of Kingston. Um, well, actually, the very first property was a uh, um, condo unit in Edmonton, which I never did see. But it was bought more it, bought it from a distance. You're you're close to Ottawa, Ontario. Yeah, yeah. And uh, not knowing any difference. It yep. wasn't really an investment. It was more a speculation. Uh, it turned out okay. But uh, uh, then we did the triplex. And then an opportunity presented itself to buy uh, this 11-unit apartment building in the neighboring town. And it just, the numbers made sense to me. Um, so in hindsight, I paid too much for it at that point in time, but it worked out extremely well for us. And I learned that I paid too much for it because shortly after that, I started to take the real estate education courses. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really learned what I didn't know, uh, which was a lot. And um, so again. As a realtor, I thought I knew everything I needed to know, but in reality, I knew nothing um, uh, at that point in time. About investment an real estate. Yeah, about as an investor. You knew, yeah, exactly. you knew how to do the transactions and, and the transactions. Yeah, I wasn't afraid of that. And uh, the numbers, I was good, always been good with numbers, et cetera. So, and it made sense to us. But <clears throat> when we took the real estate education courses, we just realized how to truly analyze a property better, what to be looking for. Um, you know, the demographics of the community, what's going on in the community, uh, you know, the building condition, et cetera. There was a lot of stuff that, uh, in how to structure things creatively and mm-hmm. uh, so forth. So once I, I took those courses, that's when I got really excited and passionate about it. And I started investing in other uh, bigger deals. And I caught the eye of my mentor who worked for the education company. And he asked me to come and work with them as a mentor as well and share my experience. Uh, and that's where I developed my passion for teaching and giving mm-hmm. back to other students. And uh, I did that right up until 2008, nine in around there, and then uh, started my own education courses. And that's when we connected shortly thereafter and started doing some education stuff together as well. And um, yeah, I, I can't even tell you off the top of my head at one point in time, 
I had over 300 doors. Uh, I've bought and sold well over 500 doors. Uh, sort of lost track of all of that. Mm-hmm. And I had I had pretty lofty goals of you know acquiring a thousand doors and uh, becoming a rich landlord, etc. But um, again, life happens. Things change. And uh, we started our own property management company, eventually sold that and moved on to um, uh, just getting life, making life simpler, I guess, for lack of better words. Yeah, well, let's 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 unwrap that a little bit, Ken, because I recall early on getting to know you that at that point, quite a few years ago now, um, you know, you were in the build up the portfolio, buy more buy more properties. You you weren't definitely weren't scared about being pretty highly leveraged. No. So not necessarily having a lot of equity in these properties. And part of what I vaguely recall was you wanted to kind of spread the risk out so so that you know nobody would become chasing after you because you didn't have very much equity in any one property and all this kind of stuff. Now it seems like you've really decided to, like you say, simplify things and consolidate things. So you went from those 300 plus units what does your portfolio look like today and and what kind what kind of mix did you have before and, and what do the properties look like now yeah well i mean starting out we were looking at class c class d type buildings you might even consider some of them to be class f um, but uh, <laughs> they, were pre- they were pretty rough uh yeah. but they got us going and they uh allowed us to to grow our portfolio and uh uh, the challenge with those types of properties is you tend to attract lesser types quality of tenants. tenants yeah. Exactly. Which create more headaches and hassles and whatnot and frustrations. Um, we eventually, once I got into learning how to leverage other people's money and doing joint ventures and so forth and getting into some bigger deals that I could never have imagined doing on my own, then we started to get into better quality tenants. And uh, that has led us to where we're at today, where we have four 24-unit apartment buildings. They're brand new. Uh, closed on the last one just last year. So they're in my own hometown. I could literally walk to them if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, you know, they're not without their headaches. Nothing is, but they're far fewer headaches by far. And the rents are much better. Plus, there's... Um, some tax incentives out there right now that the province of Ontario is providing us to encourage new investors uh, to get into the game and uh, developers to build new properties, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So it just made sense. I always wanted to buy, or actually I wanted to build my own apartment building, but it just never made sense because the rents were too low um, compared to what the cost of building was. Uh, but when this developer came along, uh, it was just the timing was right. Uh, the market was booming. The rents were, you know, going through the roof. Um, they, the rents went from around, you know, $800, 850 for a two-bedroom apartment up to $1,600 now. Doubled. And, wow. uh, yeah, and that makes all the difference in the world as far as being able to afford these newer buildings. So, um, yeah, I, I just uh, jumped at the chance to buy these four apartment buildings, uh, one each year for the past four years, basically, mm-hmm. and uh, sold all of the old stuff off in order to uh, <clears throat> manage the transaction. And uh, where I was short in cash, I just raised capital from uh, other investors uh, who come in as partners then. So of, of these four buildings, if I recall correctly, you and Joanne own one of them, just the two of you. It's it's 100% yours. The other three are with... 
investors or joint venture partners. And you've got a plan over the next number of years to even consolidate more. What is, what's that going to look like? Yeah, so the the three built well the the one building that we own outright will probably sell to one of our kids. It's in our corporations, so we'll just transition that, keep that in the family. But we we will step out of it, Joanne and I, and mm-hmm. just uh, receive a ongoing cash flow from it. The other three will sell outright, and uh, we will exit from those deals, take our proceeds and invest them in whatever, pay down other debts, etc. Um, <clears throat> the beautiful thing about being a realtor and an investor is that I get paid to buy the properties. I also get paid to sell the properties too. So mm-hmm. I get commissions on both ends, uh, which nice. is a nice, yeah, it's a nice way to, uh, to help make the headache worthwhile. Yeah. Um, because I don't own like 50% of each of these buildings. I own a smaller percent, somewhere around 20% give or take mm-hmm. of each of the buildings. Uh, but then we get paid to manage them and, and everything else as well. So yeah, we'll sell those probably, um, in five years, well, at the end of five years, we should be out of the rental business. And uh, Joanne is going to retire from being a salesperson as well. So we'll just be in retirement mode at that point in time, mm-hmm. uh, living off the proceeds from our portfolio. Yeah, that is fantastic. So you've you've followed the plan, you know, with ups and downs and little detours here and there. But overall, you've, you've followed a very uh, successful plan of real estate investing. So Looking back, twenty twenty hindsight, if you know, if you were, you probably wouldn't do anything different. But let's say let's let's reframe this then. If you know everything got taken away from you today, except for your knowledge, so you don't have all the connections, yep. you don't have the properties, you're you're kind of starting from scratch today, but you got everything in your noggin. What, if anything, would you do differently than than the way you started 23 years ago? Well, despite the fact that I question my sanity sometimes with the fact that I'm a landlord, I would definitely still be looking at real estate, um, first and foremost, because I uh, it has treated us well. And I still think and believe that it is uh, one of the you know five basic human needs to, for you know us to survive is shelter. Yeah. So I don't think it's going anywhere. So I would definitely be looking at real estate. I would, uh, um, marketing was always my my weak side of things uh, initially. Uh, but as I have evolved over the years, I understand marketing better and networking. Uh, so I would ne- I would be networking to find people with money to joint venture. And there's a saying that the more people you help, the more money you make. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, instead of going out trying to find you know opportunities for myself, find people that I can help and find them the opportunities and just take a small sliver of each one and and start building that way again until you can start doing it yourself again. And then that's, doing it that's yourself how I again. Would do it. Doing it yourself again, would you get into the class C D F buildings or would you really just <clears throat> try to focus on newer builds, that sort of thing, right off the get-go? Yeah, it's it's that's a real tough one these days because I mean the the class C buildings have skyrocketed in in price and they're the uh, owners of these properties are trying to compete with the new builds, thinking their properties are just as valuable as the new builds, and uh, so it's very difficult to get into the game right now. Um, lack of product that's on the market, as well as um, lack of proper education from the seller's perspective. I mean, they're operating from a place of greed, which 
I don't blame them. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, if I was selling, I'd want to get as much as I could as well. Mm -hmm. But it's not like residential property where you are buying based on emotion and what you can afford and you know, not worried about but, what but, it but can, a lot of people yeah. seem to be doing that with multifamily but that's exactly what they're doing exactly the sellers and the buyers are are trying to leverage this emotional side of the game and uh people are getting into buying properties that they shouldn't have bought paid too much for or they simply can't qualify because the the lenders don't look at it emotionally they look at it very uh practically with you know respect to what do the numbers say and uh well, well yeah, we'll finance it but you know not at 80% of the purchase price, 80% of the value that we believe it to be, which could be a couple hundred thousand dollars less. Yeah, exactly. So you have to have pretty deep pockets to get into a lot of these deals these days, um, at least for the ones that are hitting the open market. And again, this sort of goes against what I am as a, as a realtor, because I don't make any money as a realtor when I tell people to buy privately. But the best deals that you as an investor will ever experience are the ones you find yourself mm-hmm. and um, negotiate with the seller, um, build a relationship with the seller so they know, like, and trust you and want to sell to you. Then they'll work with you creatively. Um, but as soon as you get uh, get it on the open market, it just seems to go crazy. Yeah, it's a, like chum in the water and all the sharks are coming out trying to, trying to get exactly. it. Okay, so let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about how you've partnered up with other people and raised money, used OPM, other people's money. Uh, when did you first, what, what's your first recollection, your first yeah. deal like that, or your first joint venture, whatever it was? What was that? Well, I think the, um, so when I initially got into the game of investing, uh, the idea of, Joint venturing with somebody was foreign to me. I would never consider doing that. You know, the first couple of deals we did, we did on our own. Uh, but we very quickly ran out of money. And during the course of um, the real estate courses, I discovered about RSP investing. So that opened up a whole new world for me. And I was able to start leveraging other people's RSP money as well as my own RSP money, which isn't necessarily the same as joint ventures or partnering up. but it opened the door to collaboration with others. Yeah. And that's when the, the, the portfolio basically exploded. And so were you basically, sudden, were you basically finding people that had money kind of floundering around in their retirement accounts? You showed them how to turn that into a self-directed account and then they could access that money and, and put it in, invested with you as perhaps a second mortgage on one of your existing properties, then you would take that that capital that you got and go out and buy a new multifamily property. Is, is that pretty much what you did? Yeah, basically. I mean, uh, the first individual was somebody we knew through the court real estate education courses. And so we were both learning the same thing at the same time and it made sense to us both. So we just started helping each other. So you swapped. Um, so he, that person would borrow your funds to do their deals. You'd borrow theirs to you, do yours. That, that yeah, idea. yeah, and we're not supposed to do it direct like that. Um, but personally, I don't see any issues with it because it wasn't like I'm lending you a hundred thousand and you're lending me a hundred thousand. It wasn't, you know, an equal swap. It was, uh, or at the same time, it was I need X number of dollars because I've got this deal. Are you interested? Yes. And then a year later, they've got a, a an opportunity, and I've got money, and mm-hmm. uh, so that's how it got started. 
then I started to to educate people about the opportunity of investing their RSP money through hosting uh, cash flow games in our house. Uh, so I raised some money there. Also, at that time, I was writing newsletters for yourself and or um, uh, Fast Track at that time. And I, you can't say I'm looking for funds, please contact me. But what I was doing was something different. I was just sharing stories. Hey, I just did this yeah. uh, using so-and-so's money and it would spark interest and people would reach out to me and say, well, how can I do that? Mm-hmm. So that's how I was, you know, started to attract uh, investors with the RSPs. Um, and that eventually then led into uh, opportunities of doing joint ventures. Um, so again, I've, I don't know how many newsletters I've written between yourself, myself and, and uh, fast track, how many newsletters I've written over the years, but <clears throat> it has provided me the opportunity to put myself out there into the public space and um, people would reach out to me and ask for information about investing. Um, I just got an email the other day from the friend of one of my investors who wants to learn how to invest and wants to invest with me. And they live in somewhere in BC. I don't know. Um, So I've got people. Yeah. Yeah. I've got people from all across the country wanting to invest with me because I now know how to market myself and how to um, put myself out uh, there. It sounds like you're, you're reaping the rewards of all the work you put in a decade ago or, or 15 oh, absolutely. years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was in a certain way, it was easier back then in the sense that, for example, when we had our newsletter going, um, there wasn't as much noise out there. Fast forward to today, 2023, you've got all, you know, anybody and their dog can write an article using artificial intelligence that comes out a beautiful looking article. But now everybody's flooded with all of this information. There's there's just this information overload versus 10, 15, 20 years ago, they get a physical newsletter in their mailbox and that yeah. would be the one thing they were looking at that day kind of thing. And, and now it's like with Facebook and, and emails and the, just the sheer volume of stuff. It's so much easier to write articles than the way you did it, but it's so much harder to get people to actually read them. What, read what are your thoughts? There? Yeah, no, I mean, that absolutely makes sense. I mean, the artificial intelligence world scares the bejesus out of me because of the, um, all of a sudden everybody can become an expert. I mean, it, it wasn't, People would take a course and, you know, they would do one transaction and then they would start to mark themselves as, as an expert. Mm. Well, I can't really knock that too much because, Hey, I did it too. Um, but I had a few more deals under my belt and I did the education courses before I started to do that. Um, so there's a lot of people out there marketing themselves as experts and trying to, to raise capital for deals that, um, you need don't, to be aware. Really, really don't have any track record. Yeah, exactly. And the, and they're doing it wrong. Like I'm working with a couple uh, students from another program um, that I have nothing to do with, but uh, um, I keep saying, "Well, yeah, you can't do that. This is how you have to do it." And, and, and well, that's what they told us to do. Well, no, that's not the right way of doing it because you're breaking the law. Uh, <laughs> so or, they're posting. Uh, they're posting for. 
they're they're looking for investors on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. Yeah. And they're blatantly yeah. soliciting on a public platform is what I'm hearing under the yeah, apparently. Yeah. And or they they're told that uh, and I've heard you say this uh, many times before that uh, uh, we were we were taught that find the deal, the money will come. Well, yeah, no. no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You got to find the money first. And uh, because they're they're taught how to raise the capital uh, theoretically. So now they go out and find the deal. Then they try and find the capital. Then they scramble. And they yeah. say, well, I'm just going to go back to the rest of the group in the uh, in the education group. Well, they're all in the same boat. None of them have any money. Yeah. You know? So <laughs> they're all. Uh, yeah, I, w- I was just talking with a guy who, who was complaining about that because he was part of one of these groups. Might be the same one. And, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, he was everybody. It's It gets so it becomes this feeding frenzy within the group pitching deals and trying to raise capital. He mistakenly got his doctor curious about this and his doctor joined that group and they just he didn't get to bring it's his own doctor on board as <laughs> his investor just, you know just lurched on him so yeah. yeah and it's it is it's i i don't claim to know all the rules and regulations because as you and i know they they change from place to place and time to time and interpretation to interpretation but uh you know there yeah i'm i'm very very cautious about how you put it out there you know like you, what exactly what you said ken is in my opinion exactly right you educate people and it's a it's a no sell kind of thing it's not even a soft sell no. it's just hey here's what i'm doing and you got to even be careful there you know showing how you what you're doing not to get too specific with numbers and ROI and percentages and all that kind of stuff. It's got to be pretty, pretty plain vanilla. If you right. ask me, what, yeah. what, do you, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first of all, people are going to invest with people they know, like, and trust. I've had lots of opportunities to invest with others mm-hmm. and uh, I've turned it down just because I did, didn't have a, a good feeling about the individual themselves. You know, the, 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 the property or the opportunity itself might've been good, but yeah. it just didn't feel right to me. So uh, I, your spidey, I your spidey senses were tingling. Exactly. So, uh, and I, I know that I'm not going to be a match for everybody as well. And that's okay. I can accept that. Uh, but I only want to work with people who want to work with me. And uh, so I have never to this day ever asked anybody for money. Um, I had people approach me, want to invest with me for years. Um, when I do have an opportunity, I will reach out to those individuals or others. I think it might be a good fit for and I'll do a webinar presentation and walk them through the opportunity. I never make any promises. I show them all the pitfalls, yes. um, you know, the, the ups and the downs, uh, no guarantees, et cetera. And, uh, and as you say, just high level at that point in time, if you're interested, let me know. And we move forward and they get more details and uh, full disclosure, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Proof is in the pudding. I mean, I've got people, I mean, you and I did a, a deal with some investors and many of those investors have come back to invest with me in other deals uh, um, simply because they they were happy with the the uh, the returns they received in those deals. But more importantly, they were happy with the relationship that they had and exactly. um, they felt comfortable with it. So, yeah. So what, what kind of, you know, corrective 
behaviors or advice do you give to these students that that you see floundering when it comes to raising capital? What do you point out to them? What do you encourage them to do instead? Uh, well, they need to know and understand that it's going to become, it is becoming um, more uh, frequent that the realtors are asking for proof of funds because realtors across the country are being inundated with all of these investors coming out wanting to do these creative deals. They're going to raise the money afterwards while they're wasting the agent's time. They're wasting the buyer, the seller's time, uh, the tenants and everything else. And uh, it gives the agent a bad reputation in the industry. So now what's happening is if you're going to come to the table with a, you know, to an opportunity to, to buy a property, you need to be able to show proof of funds that you can get the money. So what, uh, what does that actually mean? Forward. You have to have a million bucks in the bank before anybody's going to look at you or what is that? What is that? You need about 15%. Okay. So you're looking at 15% of the purchase price in order to uh, be able to close on that transaction. That's if you're going to be doing insured financing uh, more, if you're going to be doing just conventional financing through the banks. So 15 to 25% down. Uh, if you don't have it and you're counting on somebody else's money to do that, which is fine. Uh, it's an awesome way to get into the game. Uh, you still need to be able to prove that you've got money from these joint venture partners, a, a pool of money that you can tap into. So, um, how, so again, just out of just details there, are they looking for you to have a, a bank account set up for your group or are they looking to see the financial statements of your partners? Yeah, that investors? depends on the, that depends on the, uh, the agent, I think. So the agent I was talking to this morning, um, he asked for proof of funds on an offer that he just presented or is in the process of presenting. So the fellow showed him a statement uh, from somebody else's account and a letter from that individual stating that they are going to be the joint venture partner in Got this it. deal. So that worked. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's nothing really legal or formal. It just, you got to, you know, what feels right? Do they yeah. feel it? Do you feel like you're being snowed here or is it uh, the, the truth? Right. Yeah, it, it that um, that goes a lot further to prove to that realtor that this guy's a serious player than just his word. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you you need to come up with the funds, proof of funds before you start shopping. And uh, so then you know the the, the students, uh, I'll say students because that's like eighty percent of the. Uh, the investors out there are people who've gone through real estate courses. And uh, because the vast majority of transactions in our world are done behind the scenes by investor to investor without real estate agents being involved, uh, never hits MLS type of thing. So the, the vast majority of the deals that you and I are uh, made aware of with the students, um, here, I lost my train of thought. Where was I going with that? They, they, we were talking about raising capital at Joint Ventures, but uh, proof of funds we got off there. And proof of funds, yeah. They, oh, so they 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 need to be taught how to raise the capital and how to uh, the importance of being prepared before they start looking for the property. Basically, as as right. the bottom line. Now, one of the things I I always uh, appreciated about you and your professionalism was, and that that. You created a very, very robust package of information that you could plunk on a lender's desk at a moment's notice that blew their minds away. So tell me a little bit about that 
remind me about that because that that was something that you did that most other people didn't. And it always seemed to have a really leave a really good impression with the bank or with the lenders. Yeah. Well, again, it's to understand what the lenders are going to want. Now, I've been very fortunate in that I deal with one lender in particular for many, many years now. Um, hasn't always been that way, but uh, you get to know what, you know, after you do one deal, you say, oh, they're going to ask for this. So why not give it to them ahead of time? Why not make their life easier? Uh, again, the easier make the transaction uh, for the lender, for the buyer, the seller, the more money you're going to make all around. It just, it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. So do the legwork for them. Give them a copy of everything they're going to need. They're going to want your net worth statement. They're going to want a, a credit report, potentially. They're going to want to see proof of funds. They're going to want to see um, you know details of the property itself. Uh, if you have a, uh, even if it's an outdated um, appraisal, you provide that because they're going to want an updated appraisal, but you don't have it yet. So give them anything and everything you know they're going to ask for, the rent roll, the profit and loss statement for the property. Um, what is it that's attracting you to this property? Uh, why, um, why is it such a good deal? What are your plans for it? What needs to be done? Where's the money going to come from for the renovations if, if that's required, et cetera? Um, so the more comfortable you make the lender feel about lending money to you, the better the odds are. Not to say that that lender that you're handing everything over to has the final decision because they don't anymore. It usually has to go up the ladder to, to some higher ups. But um, having that good relationship with the person on the at the first level is extremely important. And I mean, the guy that I deal with has gone to battle for me numerous times because he knows who I am. He knows what I do. He um, well, comes back to that no like trust and uh, he trusts what I'm doing. And, and he knows that I'm not going to get into a deal that's not a good deal. So do you provide this in hard copy form or are you just sending them a, a massive email with a ton of PDFs attached? What what does this look like? In- yeah, in my case, it's 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 PDFs attached and whatnot because they're down in Toronto and I'm here in Ottawa, so it's a little bit cumbersome that way. Um, but even but, with but the at lawyers, the beginning, anything. you you had a full <clears throat> a full presentation binder that you'd give to give to these lenders. Yeah, if if it's a local bank that you're going into, then I would walk in with the binder itself with all the stuff already printed out and. They, they say, oh, well, can I make a copy of that? No, no, no. This is your copy. Yeah. Oh, perfect. You know, and just little things like that, they sound minor, but they they have a major impact on the person receiving it. Yeah. Exactly. You know, even if you're just buying a single family house as an investment property or whatever, that's even more important because if you're buying a single family house, duplex, triplex, you personally have to guarantee, uh, qualify, not well, guarantee as well, but you have to qualify for it. and you're going to have to have proof of funds. You're going to have to have proof of employment. You're going to have to have all these letters, all these documents and statements and everything like that. But 99% of the people go to the bank with nothing but their driver's license and apply for a mortgage. Right. And then they get frustrated because they've got this long list of stuff that uh, is required by the bank. And how, so, dare, how dare they? And it's so invasive and all that kind of stuff. But it's you can find out all that stuff online before you even go to the bank for crying out loud. It's pretty yeah, or, or yeah, or go in and talk to the bank and say, I'm looking at doing this. What do you need from me? And then go get it. Yeah, exactly. And then You're going to have also, to get it anyhow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm going through an experience right now with one of the uh, 
well, all of the apartment buildings I have right now because uh, the First National does an annual review. Every bank does an annual review to make sure that the property is still performing the way it was supposed to, projected to, mm-hmm. and that the investors, partners are all is still in good standing financially and whatnot. So I have to send out an email to all the investors. Please send an updated financial uh, um, net worth statement, et cetera. And they all get irate. Why? I just gave it to them last year. Even though I told them every year we're going to have to do this and it's only going to get worse. You know, the bank's (laughs) going to keep asking for more and more information because the government imposes all these rules and regulations. So where, where do you see opportunities lying in real estate in Canada these days, specifically in Ontario? Cause that's where you're based. Where, where do you kind of see the things going? Yeah. Well, I, I think there's always going to be demand for the product that we're investing in. There's no ifs, ands or buts about that. The challenge is that there's too many people overpaying for their properties right now. I don't know that we're going to see the same. Uh, amazing growth that we have witnessed in the past couple of years. It'll get back down to the three to 5%, which is where it is normal. Um, where it kind of should be. So, right? <laughs> or where it should be, exactly. Um, and depending on the property they buy, so in Ontario, we have rent control. So if somebody has bought a property that was built prior to 2019, I believe it is, then they are subject to rent control, meaning they can only put the rents up by one, two, 3%, depending on what the government says that year. Yet, if the cost of living is skyrocketing and they paid too much for the building in the first place and it's not cash flowing, then guess what? They have to sell and they're going to sell at a loss. So uh, there's going to be opportunities that are going to come onto the market um, in the next few years, You know, between now and the next few years, as the mortgages become due and they're up for renewal and people are going to realize that they're in over their head and they have to dump it. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're going to try and dump it for at least what they paid for it. Yeah. But again, if you can get in there as a private investor dealing with the individual privately, you stand a much better chance of getting a creative deal in place versus it hitting MLS. Because if it hits MLS, unfortunately, we still have far too many investors who are coming from a place of lack of proper education with respect to investing and buying based upon emotion, believing that, um, well, I, I read a book and real estate is the place to be type of thing. So they throw uh, aside all logic and just go in based upon emotion and overpay for the property still. So that's going to be an ongoing challenge. Um, the key is to get in there and talk to the, the seller. But in, So again, you have to play the game and it, it truly is a game. If you're going to go in with MLS and use a realtor, you need to be using a realtor who understands investing and understand what's the true value of the building is because they don't all do. And uh, no one understand that you're probably going to have to agree to buy it for more than what you want to based upon what they're asking for Mm -hmm. the property. And then renegotiate after the fact when you find out that the bank isn't going to um, finance it based on that purchase price. They'll finance it on a lower price. And if you can renegotiate the price down to where it makes sense, great. If not, then you'll walk away from it. Yeah. So you tie it up and then you, then you go through your due diligence and then you educate the seller about what the real value of the property is based on what the bank has told you. 
the real value is. Exactly. And as he earned it, however, that can get pretty expensive with multifamily properties because just the appraisals and the, um, I mean, I'm just recalling the the deal that we did, the appraisals, the inspections, hell, getting the joint venture agreement put together, all of that. I yeah. mean, I think we were 50 grand in before. It, yeah, it can definitely be pricey. So you you definitely want to determine the value of the property as quickly as possible before you spend or incur any other expenses such as inspections and uh, appraisals and whatnot. I mean, if you go to the bank with the numbers, the bank's going to tell you pretty quick what they're going to lend based upon uh, what valuation they think it's at without an appraisal even. Yeah. And uh, so then if, if you go back to your the, the, the seller and say, no, this is what it's really worth. We can't get it down. You know, we're not spending money on anything else and we're going to walk from the deal. Yeah, fair but enough. So don't don't you're, spend. You're don't right. Spend there the is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but there is. Yeah. You are when you're buying the multi units, you're definitely in a different sandbox. The costs are definitely higher. So Ken, you're no you're no longer in the the education business, teaching training business. You're you're busy enjoying quasi retirement at this point. So I don't know if you even want people uh, reaching out to you. Uh, <laughs> but if 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 you do, where would you direct people, or do you prefer that people? Just take, well, take this get, interview you know, for what it is. Well, they can take it for what it is. If they want to reach out to me, I'm always happy to to help people if, if I can as well. I do have a network of realtors that I'm working with across the country. I've got you know, somebody in in Alberta, I've got a couple of people in Alberta, um, someone in Saskatchewan, a couple of people in Ontario. Okay. And I'm I'm growing a network of of realtors that I'm helping them um, through this process as well. And, and some of them are active investors as well. So if you want to reach out, um, I'd be happy to to represent you if you're looking for a property in eastern Ontario, anywhere from Kingston to Ottawa to Pembroke type of thing. Um, more than happy to help people acquire properties. Or if they want to um, reach out and get the name of my other realtors in the areas, you know, I'd be happy to to do that as well. So I'll, I'll give you my my personal email address, sure. uh, which is just jkbeaton59 at gmail.com. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well. Yeah. Awesome, my friend. It's always a lot of fun. Thank you very much for sharing some time and wisdom and experience with us. Always a pleasure uh, doing this and I love helping people and giving back. So anytime, Dave. Thank you, my friend. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll talk to you on the next episode. This episode is brought to you by moneypartnerformula.com. Our Money Partner Formula service allows you to raise all the private capital you need to do all the deals you want while we handle the hard stuff. We offer reliable and affordable done-for-you marketing services that get you investor meetings booked without all the work. So go ahead and check out the website right now. And then feel free to schedule a call with me and let's take your portfolio to the next level. Again, that's moneypartnerformula.com. Watch investor meetings pop up in your calendar. We handle the rest.